You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you want to try a free trial, go to the website builtforthestage.com. Or click the link in the description of this episode and you can work for seven days with your own Broadway fitness coach on an online app. So check it out. No catch, no gimmicks. Builtforthestage.com. If you like Built for the Stage podcast, please rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. It'd be greatly appreciated. All right. Please enjoy this conversation. I just want to kick off with probably the most interesting thing that I saw when I was looking at your bio on your website. It actually said that you started in SpongeBob as a coach in mm-hmm. Chicago, and then you just wanted to like say thanks to the director, and you made some fun video of you skateboarding around Chicago, and then all of a sudden she was like, I won't finish it, but tell me about that, how that all happened. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I do have to backtrack a little bit by how I like got to that position. So... I went to school for acting and performance at Indiana University right after high school. And then at the end of my freshman year, I transferred to go to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in L.A. That was a year-run program that I blasted through. And I just wanted a quick introduction course into the entertainment business because I know, like, for 99% of the performers out there who dedicate their lives to, like, being a professional, like, breaks don't come until later on in your life. It's only those far and few that, like, get lucky. So I was like, Shh. You know, if I have to, like, start now, it's going to take me a while, and I'd rather start while I'm young rather than start a little bit later, like, post-college and doing this. So, after I graduated, I was an actor for, like, four or five years out in L.A., and then I decided to move to New York in 2012 to become, like, a more musical theater actor, and I went to do Broadway. And I also went to, like, skateboard on Broadway. But when I moved here, I was like, man, I actually don't want to do this because this, I don't really know what my niche is, like... I don't feel like I'm at my potential to call myself like a professional skateboarder. So I stopped acting right when I moved here. I dropped out of this acting studio that I immediately paid money to like go into for a handful of months. I dropped out of a handful of workshops I had signed up for and I was like, I'm just going to skateboard and I'm going to work side jobs and just focus on being a skateboarder. And that's what I did for like the next four years. Like all I did was skateboard by myself. I'd watch YouTube videos. I would then take myself to gymnastic and dance classes to like be a skateboarder. 
or to focus on like building up movement to skateboard. And during all this time, I got a job working for my friend Rob, who owns a company called Sure Skateboards. Sure is a teaching and coaching consultation company, all skateboarding based. And I was one of his instructors teaching skateboard lessons. And in 2014, my mom asked me, she had been in town visiting, she wanted to go see a Broadway show. So she wanted to go see Kinky Boots. And I hadn't really seen any Broadway since I'd been living in New York. Like I went and saw Annie, but like it was a revival and it just wasn't anything impactful that left an impression that was like, I should go back into doing this. So my mom took me to Kinky Boots and dude, it wasn't specifically the story. It wasn't specifically a character or a song. Just the production value and the integrity of its message was made me feel like, holy shit, I need to get my fucking ass into Broadway now. <laughs> but I've got to figure out like what that is and what it's going to be. A few months later, literally, I was like, I'm going to go back into acting. I decided to start auditioning again. And down that road very quickly, uh, it was about a year after I started back up, my friend Rob hits me up and he's like, hey, the creative team behind this SpongeBob musical hit me up and they're looking for skateboard coaches. So I was like, dude, sign me the fuck up. So we went to go meet with Tina, the director, and... We just told her our message that we're here to provide authenticity to your storytelling and to make sure that your story remains grounded within the necessary actions that the actors who are going to skateboard need to perform. And she was a game and she knew that we were serious. And so were these actors, did they have like prior experience with skateboarding or were they just like fresh <laughs> off the street? Like, Hey, teach this guy how to skateboard. Uh, no, so the two main actors I needed to help teach were J.C. Schuster and Logan Jones, and they both had already had skateboard, like they both owned their own skateboards, and they skated around, but it wasn't as clear to them whenever they were auditioning that they would have to skateboard on ramps and utilize how ramps work on stage and also know the boundaries that come with skating onto a ramp, especially if you need it to be flashy for the storytelling aspect of within the context of that specific show. So, I would come in and help them with skate. And all this time I'm like working at a hotel on the side and also helping side manage a skateboard shop in the Lower East Side. And so, I got invited to go. Now, for those of you out there who are not familiar with the Broadway industry that heavily, before a lot of Broadway shows premiere, they do an off-Broadway run, they'll do an out-of-town tryout run. SpongeBob, before it came to Broadway, did an out-of-town run in Chicago. So I went to Chicago for a little bit to just kind of like check out the variables of what would be up against those guys being on the actual stage compared to being in the rehearsal room back in New York. But when I was out there, they only used me for like two hours out of the few days I was there. And so I had all of this downtime to take advantage of just seeing Chicago. But at the same time, there was so much SpongeBob publicity that Nickelodeon had plastered all over Chicago. I was like, dude, I didn't make a skate video out here. Like, there's so much publicity, I could just be getting tricks in front of, like, a banner or some type of advertisement. So I got all of this footage, and I edited it together one night. It was my very last night, or it was the second to last night that I was in Chicago. And while I was editing the footage, I got a text message right before I went to sleep from the stage manager. who said, hey, as a heads up, tomorrow's Tina's birthday. If you want to wish her a uh, happy birthday. I don't know where I was in the headspace, and I wasn't even thinking about anything else. I, 
just editing this footage and at that moment just being appreciative that I had gotten so far into I'd always wanted to at least like coach skateboarding on Broadway let alone actually be a skateboarder on Broadway so I just put a happy birthday tagline at the end for Tina on it and I forwarded to the stage manager and I was like hey please send this to Tina for her birthday for me and I went to sleep the next day I woke up dude I went to the theater uh, right before work started and she was in there watching the skate video and I could feel how emotional she was watching it when I rolled up and she was so psyched and appreciative and she bluntly asked me she was like why didn't you audition for this and I had to explain like hey like I've been out of the acting business for a while and I wasn't aware that auditions were being held for this and so she we had a talk and we just talked about the show about my role and what I had been doing she was like, listen, if I ever ask you to audition, you have to promise me you'll be prepared. That wasn't a guarantee of anything, that I had a job contract, that I had a future, or that I was even going to be invited to audition. For all I know, they could have went with Tony Hawk. <laughs> like, they could have called him up and called him in to play my part. So I took her seriously. Like, I just felt a connection that I was like, she means business by this right now and this is a project she's passionate about and it's something that like i'm oogling over and i want to be a part of and like i feel my heart involved in i jumped back into taking acting lessons again for the first time in years taking singing lessons again and also taking dance for the first time in terms of like learning tap I'd taken some ballet over the years, like on and off, when I was going to Amda. This guy's crazy, by the way. Speaking of dance, <laughs> he, he does pirouettes on a skateboard. I can't stand on a skateboard, let alone do pirouettes on one, so <laughs> just insane. I'll give you all his info after, but make sure you uh, check out this guy's video. It's crazy. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, and honestly, I researched the internet and found through various connections of a copy of the out-of-town show in Chicago. So I watched that video hundreds of times over the next year, studying all the choreography while taking tap and learning the tap and all this. Dude, I was taking tap dances with like 11, 12-year-old kids. Their parents would be standing outside of the room just filming on the inside, and I had to swallow my pride. And I still, like... I'm tough, like, it's hard for me. I just went back into tap recently since we've closed the show, and, dude, I'm, like, still at the level I was last year, but I definitely have a more refined style. Doing the show in the same number, obviously, there's not room for improv. Like, you have to do the necessary blocking that's written in the DNA of the show. So it's not like I can fool around and just, like, start tap dancing something else in the show. So I did get rusty to a certain way. However, I was able to pick up enough... I was able to pick up enough for what they would need um, in the story. And so when it came time to audition, uh, at the middle of 2000s, summer of 2017, uh, I, uh, I went in swinging. Dude, I was ready. The energy felt right. Like, it was an experience I'll never forget. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so you book it, you went in, you auditioned, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, how how was the director when you, was she like, 
wow, you, you really took it to heart when I told you, you know, to be prepared and come ready. And You know, she's never brought that conversation back up. And I don't flaunt that conversation to her. Because yeah. that's just something very intimate. Like, I've shared it in other features and, like, Playbill and yeah. other written stuff. But, like, that's just something special that I've just been like, listen, like, I'm just appreciative because, like, I wanted to be ready. Yeah. I felt like she knew the potential that was in me. That's And, it. dude, at the audition, I have to clarify something. I had a broken wrist from a skateboarding incident right before my audition happened. So during the movement call of the audition, at one point they asked everybody, they're like, if you've got skates or a skateboard, like bring that to the audition because we're going to have part in the movement call of you guys skating around. Of course I'm going to have to have my skateboard there. Like why else am I being called in? And so dude, we got asked to roll around and all that for the movement call. I went, I had beforehand snuck, I wore a longer sleeve shirt and I snuck on a wrist brace. Right before I went in to go skate, I took the wrist brace off, I swallowed like five ibuprofen, I put Tiger Balm on it, and I just gritted my teeth. And I, because I knew from the video that I presented to Tina that she would also want to see authenticity in the audition room itself. And I knew I was going to have to do handstand stuff on my skateboard. And that's the stuff that I went for, and like it hurt, like, Dickens. But like I got through it and it was one of those like when everything's stacked against you and you're so close to getting something and then there's another variable that's just thrown in your way to try to knock you over. That's how I felt in that moment. But that also was the first time I felt like I was really able to like overcome that to finish out the audition strongly and to secure that book. Okay, so you're a kid. Who gets you your first skateboard and why? I got my cousin Joey's hand-me-down skateboard, which is a 1970s little yellow banana board that kind of looks like those modernized penny skateboards a lot of kids ride nowadays. Uh, I don't know why I got it. I think it was because I really wanted to be Marty McFly from Back to the Future. I was obsessed with that movie as a kid. And I just I wanted to like the cool kid I wanted to be Marty so I got that skateboard but there was no influential skate culture where I grew up in Indiana because I grew up in a small town that was the nearest metropolis was Louisville which was an hour away uh, there wasn't a skate park where I grew up like it was all cornfields and Amish and so I didn't have like anything to influence me of what tricks were I didn't know who was famous and then Come, this is about the late 90s, that's when the X Games started coming up on TV and like becoming huge. Dude, I was a kid, I loved TV. And I just dove in every time the X Games came on and obviously the star at the beginning of that was Tony Hawk. Then Tony Hawk comes out with the video games and I get involved with watching and playing his video games and it wasn't until one of his initial games display videos of like actual real skateboarders that were not in the X Games because in the X Games you watch TV and there's these huge ramps and this huge commercial spectacle and it's like alright I live in Indiana how am I gonna like be a progressive skateboarder if I don't have these ramps <laughs> like this is the only thing that I see in front of me and he featured a skateboarder in the game called Rodney Mullen who is the godfather of modern skateboarding and he featured a video clip from one of Rodney's more recent parts. And I saw that. And dude, it was like I saw God for the first time. 
like I zoned in on the TV and I couldn't believe what I was seeing because the very first clip was him doing a handstand on a skateboard and then flipping off and landing right back on it. And I'm like, he's doing the coolest shit I've ever seen and he's not using an obstacle and he's still being inventive in a way I've never seen skateboarding. Dude, I immediately went and got a job at Papa John's. I just turned like 14. A friend's older sister was the manager and she snuck me in and got me a job for like $5 an hour. I worked enough for the next month that I saved up my money and I bought a Tony Hawk board. This is right off of like when Amazon first started like breaking into the internet, like becoming a name. And I bought a Tony Hawk board off Amazon just practiced from there. It's uh, so funny how like people are different, like how we're all wired uh, differently, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I think back, because I, you know, I'm back on TNT or TBS. Mm -hmm. Back to the Future would play every day. I know, right? Every day <laughs> on TNT, it seemed like Back to the Future was on once a week at least. Yes. And when I would watch it, I'm not sure which one is the floating skateboard one. Two. Two. Okay. When I watched it, it's cool, right? Like it's a really cool scene. But like, no, at no time in my mind was I like, oh, I want to, I want to do that. I want to. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. It was cool, but like. But you, you know, you watch this movie, you know, I think about the Wild West one. That's the one I remember, like Everyone, when they're in yeah. the West, yeah. That's a good one. Um, and like the clock tower explosion, not sure which one that one is. I think about all that stuff. The, uh, the, the newspaper where they like predict the sports games mm -hmm. and all that. I'd never really go back to the skateboard, but you did. And yeah. like, that's, uh, that's so cool. I saw that you got to perform at the Tribeca Film Festival mm -hmm. for the uh, 30th anniversary of Back to the Future. How, like, full circle, blow your mind was that? Dude, I was like a little kid. I was, like, screaming inside. My friend Rob, who I said runs Shore Skateboards, they actually contacted him. This is way before SpongeBob. They had contacted him and was were like, hey, we would like a couple of skateboard performers for this event and basically they you know I don't know if you went to it or knew about it but they basically turned part of downtown Tribeca into Hill Valley and dude we got to sketch on our skateboards on the back of a DeLorean oh my god like <laughs> amazing my head exploded cool that's really cool um so we talked about like the handstands we talked about how there's like an element of gymnastics in there you mm -hmm. took gymnastics classes now that you're uh uh, pro skateboarder, you've been doing this for a while. Um, how do you stay, besides skateboarding, uh, physically fit? Is it just the skateboarding? How do you stay well enough to be able to do all this stuff? I try to make every day a different physical activity. I don't hold any gym memberships. I haven't for years. We got, like, during the run of SpongeBob, we got a temporary, like, membership at a nearby Equinox, and I took advantage of that just because also like I knew I needed to to keep up with the show but I run a lot uh, I run every time I go run I'll do a exact six mile run that involves going around Prospect Park and I've always loved running just because like the clarity that you get from it uh, whenever the endorphins start to like shoot out of you when you're at your like, peak the runner's high yeah that's crazy runner's high I love that shit yeah um but also, again, like, I still take gymnastics. I still take ballet. Like, you go on, you take an hour and a half ballet class. And, yes, you'll be taking it with, like, kids a lot of times if I go to Broadway Dance Center. Because I'm not going to take an advanced ballet class. Hell no. Like, 
I've got to stick with the beginners because the beginners focuses on the basic and the fundamentals. And what's great about that studio is that the teachers there will really, they have a very uh, militaristic uh, approach that you work on an action and a move until the technique is defined. And that means if you have to kick a leg up in the air a hundred times, you're going to kick it up a hundred times until you get that one kick that is exactly perfect and the exact technique that is needed for that form of art. Yeah, I think that's uh, so cool. Uh, and like, I, I hope everyone's listening to this that, you know, you're setting such a great example of like swallowing your pride, leaving your ego at the door. Yeah. And because it's not the case for most of the people, they're either going to just not do it because they uh, don't want to be embarrassed or they don't want to feel like they're that far behind. So they, they just sit where they're at and they never get better and they never get to where they need to be because they never start. Or they go in over their heads to like an advanced class or if it's like fitness, they're like, oh, I'm so out of shape. I'm not even going to start. Or they try to go full throttle with nutrition and fitness and then they're in over their head and they just quit. You know, they get they get so uh, discouraged. Mm -hmm. So, man, that's so cool to hear that you do that and that, you know, you just are in there with a bunch of kids and you're like, you know what? This is this is what I tell my clients. I say you are where you are. And that's that's the only place you can be. So let's go, let's work with that. Yeah. So that's so cool that you know you embrace that. Thanks, dude. Um, all right. That's really cool. How Back to the Future was such an influence on just you getting started as a skateboarder. Um, any other like people or movies or anything like that? You know, there's been people who of various statuses from pro wrestlers, basketball players, actors who came to see the show, which it's cool that I'm, you know, I was able to share storytelling with a group of people that was able to bring in these high profile individuals who actually have interest in wanting to come support us. But the person that really blew me away, obviously besides getting Tony Hawk to come in, was Christopher Lloyd, the doc in Back to the Future. Uh, he came right after we had opened up the show and we were like two songs into the opening first act. I saw him out the side and I shit my pants right on stage. I had to run off stage, like five dressers had to clean me up and then I ran back out on stage. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, no, no. All, all jokes aside, like I was like... I was a... say, let's talk more about that. That's a story. <laughs> that's that's an that's a amazing story right there. I... Uh, I pulled myself together and I uh, was able to convince our stage management to kindly ask if he'd be accepting of coming backstage for a quick introduction to the cast members and he couldn't have been any cooler. And when we were talking that night, when we were talking that night, I ended up, or when he came to the show afterwards, you know, I thanked him and I was like, dude, like I started skateboarding because of Back to the Future, because of your storytelling along with Michael J. Fox's and everybody else that made these films a part of my childhood imagination. And he gave me a big ass hug. And at that point I started tearing up a little bit, I had to back myself off and play Joe Cool again. And then I got my picture. <laughs> so to say that Back to the Future was like a huge influential springboard in your life is an enormous understatement. For sure, and also <laughs> between <laughs> Marty and seeing the skateboarding scene, and then Doc as well, like with you saying this story, it's just like, man, Back to the Future was was huge in your childhood. It was huge, I was obsessed. 
Okay, so speaking about fitness, um, I'm not familiar with like skateboarding terms. So I saw that uh, you had this uh, picture on your, your Instagram and I think you captioned it, 31 years of shredding. And uh, I thought it was funny, you know, because like in fitness, shredding is like, you know, getting lean or cut up yeah. muscular. What, what does shredding mean in the uh, skateboarding world? Shredding means skateboarding authentically, skateboarding with style, skateboarding with aggression, and skateboarding with determination. So getting after it, just like... Getting after it and chasing that high that skateboarding brings you. Gotcha. Um, have you ever avoided a trick due to fear? Oh, yeah. Uh, so when I really... It's funny because when I first started really taking skateboarding seriously, and again, I go back to focusing on Rodney Mull and how I wanted to learn his trick repertoire of like flat ground, acrobatic, you know, freestyle moves that were highly technical... I was also starting at a time and place in the skateboarding industry where jumping down huge stuff was like the norm. So there was videos I would watch called Dying to Live, Yeah Right, where guys were just jumping down big stairs, doing handrails, and I started doing that. Like around a couple years into me starting skating after I had my license, I would go to Louisville or I'd go up to Indianapolis or Cincinnati where I knew that these metropolises provided larger obstacles in the vein of attacking what I saw in these, you know, big uh, industry skate videos. So I would start trying my own handrail stuff and jumping downstairs. And it got to be a point I was like, this shit scares me. And after I had my taste of that, I was like, I know what I like to do and what I'm comfortable at and where I see my longevity. And... That's basically where I was like, all right, I'm going to get super fucked up and not be able to still do theater, not be able to focus on school or actually even have a job in the long term if I like am this fearful and I'm still trying this stuff. There's a certain mentality that I see from skateboarders at any age and there's some who are just super young, they're kids and they don't have that fear factor inside them. I don't know where that comes from so uh, the reason i asked is I had, I had a childhood friend his name's ryan pitzer um he's now a navy seal uh oh, he, he's, he's crazy and he uh was doing like his navy seal tests and they do this thing where they like take you down at the bottom of a pool and they take out your air supply and like tie up your tubes and punch you and turn you around and blah 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 and then you have to like regain your composure and like plug back in your air supply before you basically pass out or you tell them like I quit and they like save you they take you up in the pool he he passed it finally but he failed twice because he blacked out from like losing consciousness of oh like not being able to breathe but he was a skateboarder uh, and he grew up like he would do backflips like during I remember we'd watch high school football games when we were little kids he's trying to teach himself backflips like landing like uh, on his face <laughs> like no fear factor but he was good at that kind of stuff just because of like like well, like you said, like the inability to realize I should be concerned about doing this. It's weird. There's people in my mind who, regardless of how passionate and how driven they are in something, there are people out there who think about consequences and there's those who don't. And a lot of times it's those who don't that are the ones who are obviously the most fearless. Yeah. Um, 
I saw in a Playbill article, uh, you were talking about a trick called walk the dog. Oh, yeah. Uh, is there a yo-yo trick also walk the dog? You like, you, uh... Uh, Anyways, it made me laugh, and I was curious, because really, I like I said, I'm uh, just ignorant to the whole skateboarding scene. Are there any other interesting, like, funny names of tricks that come uh, off the top oh, of your head? Skateboarding has gotten so progressive now, and obviously, like... You know, I'm in my 30s, and there's so many weird names that skaters have came up with from, like, Godzilla flip, helicopter flip, uh, a pogo. There's so many names that have been invented nowadays, and honestly, there's not, there's a modern catalog, or there's a modern dictionary of terminology that we skateboarders use to define certain tricks. But also, there's times where tricks become so advanced combinations become so advanced like really what is giving that trick a name anymore like just the feat in itself of performing it is enough that how can you really start like giving uh, word descriptions to various maneuvers granted we have Nike Street League competition series, the X Games. Commentators on that who are professional skateboarders, such as Tony Hawk, those guys have been in the business and have been around long enough that they can read body language in a skateboarder quick enough to like see like whenever a technical move happens, they can name off every step that's, ha- step that's happened and name the trick that they did to create the combination that was executed. Uh, you keep bringing up Tony Hawk. I saw you got to meet him uh, oh, at SpongeBob. <laughs> I saw him on the stage. How probably dreamlike was it to perform uh, in front of Tony Hawk? I have to tell you the story before of how that happened, yep. how he came. Dude, we got told in SpongeBob in July that we were closing. I was so bummed. And I like felt myself sinking into a depression. A couple weeks after that happened, one of my castmates hits me up and... He was like, hey, Tony Hawk just came out with this podcast episode of an interview he did, and I haven't listened to it, but you should check it out. I listened to it. Same shit I've always heard. He just talks about his life story. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of the same thing I always hear from most of his stuff. Like, people want to know his life story and his, like, career. And he, at one point in it, at the very end of this podcast episode, goes, I'm developing a Broadway skateboard show. And I was like, Fuck! <laughs> Oh my god! Holy shit! I lost it. I didn't know what to think. Like, but then immediately I pulled it all together and thought, I've got to get him to come to SpongeBob. I've got to make this happen. The only way I knew about reaching him was to be a luck of a draw with putting up a social media invite. Dude, I literally in between the day that I found out. In between one of our matinee shows, when I was down in my dressing room and costume, I made a video of myself. I quickly sliced together one of my own skateboard clips and some uh, footage from our actual SpongeBob publicity. I put it up online. A few hours later, I get back on Instagram. Boom. Tony Ox following me and direct messaging me. And I was like, oh! I just made that happen! Yeah. Okay, it's- that was you. That was Okay, so I'm thinking maybe like... You know, the, the producers or someone, like, contacted Tony's people and were like, Tony, we'd love to s- you to see it. Okay, so that's, that's so cool. the power of the internet. <laughs> right, When you right. want to use it to get to your networking and 
all of that dream stuff to come true. So anyways, I got him a couple tickets. Uh, he ended up coming to the show and, you know, he's a busy dude. I didn't really get a heavy confirmation before he was coming to like verify like officially that he really, really was going to come. And he ended up coming. And So anyways, uh, he came back after the show, and then we talked for a while, and dude, like, it was the best thing that could have ever happened, and I, you know, I didn't ask for an autograph, I didn't ask for a picture, I, you know, the picture that he put up on his social media that I ended up sharing was something that his wife had taken for him, and I had to play Joe Cool, like, this was a networking opportunity that I wanted to, like, have him come in and check it out. And so we talked for a while about his participation with previous Nickelodeon, like Spy, uh, the Kids' Choice Awards, those events, yeah. and him skating in those. Uh, dude, we have mutual friends in the skate industry that we vocalized about. And come to find out, this is how you make a networking opportunity happen. He's developing his show with Kyle Jaro. Kyle Jaro the book writer of Spongebob. Dude, that was a networking opportunity I had no idea about. And I didn't, I had no idea that our writer Kyle had been working on Spongebob. Or had been working not only on Spongebob, but also on this development project with Tony. So, it was awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. Like, when I was uh, <clears throat> watching the show and now, like, reading up on you and your career, I could see you in things like uh, In the Heights. There is no skateboarding section in it yet but like it's urban like there's there's no reason why there shouldn't have been or like a footloose revival or uh, yeah like pretty woman they have the california street scene with the guy talking about what's your dream and there's all these like street people going about doing all this like there's such an opportunity to bring this uh more of like a realistic feel to life you know because in in musical theater and theater Let's just face it, like, a lot of the time you're like, okay, these are actors portraying, quote-unquote, real people. And with you, when you were up there, like, you were not an actor. Like, you, I mean, you were, you know, I mean that in a respectful way. Thank you. <laughs> you were up there like, yo, this guy's not pretending. He's the real deal. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm I'm anxious to see what they might come up with because uh, that'd be amazing. Like for, a t oh, for Tony for Hawk's? Yeah. Um... You know, I talked to Kyle, and he's vocalized specific ideas that they have in development, but I don't think I'm in any position to say what those are publicly. Just out of respect for those dudes. Because, um, again, like, the thing with SpongeBob, that took 10 years to develop, to get from the page, from the idea, all the way up to the stage. And so I can only imagine how long something as technical as skateboarding would take. Maybe not as long maybe longer I have no idea however I hope that the powers that be that are in control of continuing to bring this form of art into the theater uh, I hope that they still hopefully want to include me in any way shape or form and how I can help out in presenting that so what's it like skateboarding on stage because it's different than the street or competing you know you're up on this stage you know tell me about it it for those who have never done it even for those who have been on broadway but have never like skated on an actual stage in that it is terrifying 
I don't care what level you are at, you are on a stage where you are inches away from people's faces, there's no netting, there's nothing to catch your skateboard if it shoots off stage towards an audience member. Like, that is absolutely terrifying to think about and to know that, you know, you could be a reason that they have to stop a show because of an injury. Did it ever happen? Did uh, anyone ever lose their skateboard? I had only had one incident where the... So in the show, I would do a... At one point in the middle of a rock and roll number, would do a handstand on two moving skateboards stacked on top of one another, and I would flip off the top one and land back on the second one time throughout that entire year run, I flipped off and my skateboard shot directly out to the audience. However, the way that that number was staged was we would be rocking and rolling in our skate number and some of the other cast played fake fans that would stand out in the audience in front of like the orchestra seating. One of those actors was standing right in front of the skateboard and literally caught it like a boomerang. <laughs> I'll never forget, I was on stage, and I took that moment once I fell down to start fist pumping, and then I quickly, like, turned towards him and just gave him, like, a little praying hands and mouth thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the, the funny things, like, that the audience just has no idea. Like, they probably were like, oh, that was that was so amazing. Like, how did they plan to do that? Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but everyone on stage is going, like, oh, gosh, thank you. Thank, Thank the God. Lord that no one got smacked in the face by a skateboard. Uh, yeah, the creation of that of that musical was just amazing. Like the whole thing, just how you transported the audience into that cartoon. Um, something I loved the most about it was that it wasn't. Uh, it was subtle in the sense of like you know Lion King. They wear the animal heads like on top of their heads, or it's like oh you're a lion because there's a lion on top of your head. Whereas with you guys, it was just like little hints of costuming, physicality, and that was it. But as you watched it, and with your relation to the cartoon, if you had a history of watching it, you were you were just immediately like transported. It was it was it was so cool. I appreciate that, and I, you know, to Tina's credit, our director, I, you know, I have to be upfront and say that the biggest thing that she worked on with all of us was to not play the cartoon, to humanize it and remember that we are real characters uh, whenever we are on stage with one another. This is a real story and don't play the stereotype. You know, I fought that hard throughout this run because especially, you know, I played 10 different characters in that show besides the rock and roll one. And a lot of times I had to keep pulling back because I would want to go into some character voice because I felt that that helped serve the show better. When no, you know, there's a certain, if from the tone, Ethan, who plays SpongeBob, our lead, he immediately sets the tone at the start of the show for where we are in terms of a humanistic, or, or excuse me, presenting humanistic qualities as a real person whose name is SpongeBob. Like, yeah. So now that SpongeBob is over, I know that you know you started out studying uh, to be an actor, and then you decided, no, I'm just gonna go back to my roots and skateboard. Now you find yourself just having you know performed as an actor, and I know you just said you're back to taking some dance classes. You know, what does your future hold? Do you think you'll go back to just skateboarding, or now do you feel like, oh, now I want to you know see where both of these things take me? I. 
am now at a point where I want to continue pioneering this even further. So I'm back right now in an acting studio, um, taking casting director workshops, but I've also written uh, and conceived with one of my SpongeBob cast members a one-man skateboard cabaret show that we are aiming to uh, hopefully present on stage by the middle of this to end of this winter. But even more so, and I can't publicize the exact details until further notice, which I will on social media, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, but I just got hired to be the skateboard coach of a new theater show that's about to premiere here in the city. And it's cool to see it cycle itself over again because I auditioned for this show and I didn't get it. However, now I get to be the skateboard coach in the show because they came back to ask me that. Whereas with SpongeBob, you know, I was a skateboard coach and then I came to be the performer. So it's cool now to still be able to do that, but to also step back behind the limelight for a bit of that stuff and still have a voice in there, but not actually be performing, you know, the main instrumental person in that on stage. Awesome, man. Well, as far as the goal of Built for the Stage with joining physicality of fitness and uh, theater or performing on stage or film together, you are kind of the poster child of that. So, oh, dude, uh, thanks, you, you're, uh, <laughs> yeah, the second I saw you on stage, I knew that I had to talk to you. I had to get to know you because, uh, yeah, you're amazing. So, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you once again, and thank you everybody out there for supporting this. And that'll do it from Built for the Stage podcast. Thanks again to Kyle for being a guest. And once again, you can find him on Instagram at Kyle Matthew Hamilton or visit his website, www.kylematthewhamilton.com. If you're a listener who's a performer and you're still kicking around whether you should try out the program or not, now's the time to do it. Do a free trial and let's become fitness buddies. Go to the website, www.builtforthestage.com and fill out the contact form or go to the Instagram at Built for the Stage. Thanks again for tuning in. It's me, Roscoe, signing off. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.